I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Syrupcast, Mobile Syrup's Canadian tech-focused podcast. I'm Patrick O'Rourke and Brad Bennett, a man who refers to himself as the bad boy of tech, but that I call Mobile Syrup's teen correspondent, is once again across the internet for me at an undisclosed location that I think would look like a craft room if we had cameras on, but we don't. Is that accurate? And how are you doing, Brad? I'm doing good. Uh, and that is accurate. I'm in a craft room. It's better lit now because I've got uh, some new lights in here that I'm testing. Uh, but yeah, I've been working remotely from my mom's quilting uh, and, and craft room. So it's nice. There's like some inspirational art on the walls. Uh, there's a lot of like excess fabrics. Um, and it's my old childhood bedroom. So living the dream. How about you? Living the dream. I hope you make uh, like a really sick quilt. I wish. I wish I knew. She took the sewing machine uh, with her. She's staying in my grandma's house. So uh, I could hand sew it, but that is another obstacle all on its own. Nice. Nice. So this week we have two guests on the podcast, which is a rarity for the Syrupcast, at least in the last few months. Um, first, we have Dean Daly. How are you doing, Dean? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. I just want everyone to know whenever Patrick calls Brad the bad boy of tech, he's saying bad boy of I and not a Y. I just want to, that's how he's thinking of it in his head. I just want everyone to know oh, that. That's how it's written in my like little script here. It's yeah. Here. Yeah. Yeah. So it's tattooed on my back. <laughs> <laughs> you, didn't you make that joke once several, several months ago? Probably. I, I make the back tattoo joke. That's a, that's in my holster. It comes out often. <laughs> I hope you actually do get that someday. That would be pretty cool. His holster? Someday. <laughs> My joke His holster. holster. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so next we have Brad Shankar, mobile service resident gaming expert. He's also on the podcast this week. How are you doing, Brad? Uh, great, thanks. Thanks for having me. So henceforth, uh, Brad Shankar, whose voice you just heard, will be referred to as Brad. And Brad Bennett who you heard earlier talk about getting a back tattoo will be referred to as Bennett just to keep things straight on the podcast. Um, and, and this week, as you may have already guessed, considering we have Brad on the podcast, it's all about the Xbox Series X and S and PlayStation 5. We're going to get into all that. That's pretty much the entire focus of the podcast this week. But before we do that, Bennett, can you hit us with the hottest news of the week? Yes, I can. And basically, the the hottest news, I think, the most important news, and the news that we'll be talking about the longest. Uh, actually, it could be one of these two things. But for me, I think it's the M1 Max. Apple's new M1 Max have released to the world, and like the presentation came out, and we haven't seen this from Apple in a long time. And it was like presentation over. You can order the Max right now. Um, so as far as I know, people have them. Um. People have them, and uh, I don't know. They seem pretty good. I know you went hands-on with them, Pat, but... Uh, yeah, I don't know if regular consumers have them yet. They're, 
Oh, well, maybe they do because they're on store shelves now, right? I've seen, yeah, I've so, seen a few people. Yeah. Like, there are a few orders right. that seem fulfilled. Not everyone, but it seems like they're coming down the line. Yeah, I mean, I, I did like a, a universal preview of the, the MacBook Air, the MacBook Pro, and the Mac Mini. Um, and generally, like across the board, they're really, really impressive in terms of benchmarks and performance. But, and I, I think I was one of the only people that ran into this. I, I had a lot of issues with Rosetta 2 emulation, like especially with um, Adobe software. It wasn't incredibly solid. There were like issues here and there. Um, so I think for me, like this is a monumental generational leap forward for, for Mac software, but I need those third-party developers to start re- releasing M1 apps and that's happening already. Like I wrote a story about Chrome this morning. Um, I'm sure there's an edge version in the works. Like there's already an arm based edge for windows. Like they probably can just port that to Mac. Um, and like even Photoshop, there's a pretty limited version of, uh, Photoshop for the M1 already out. So. Yeah, it's exciting. the The performance is crazy, but uh, the battery life I, I, too. Yeah, the the battery life is impressive as well. Um, I still need to do more testing with it, but my initial impressions were were pretty positive. But in general, I just like for me because I, I I I use Apple devices, but I use um, software from Google, from Microsoft, from a bunch of different uh, companies. I need them to play catch up in terms of releasing M one uh, optimized apps for it to really work for me. <clears throat> Yeah, I think um, it's super cool, and this is like Apple's first attempt at ARM, which so far seems to over. I mean, John's not on the pod this week to defend this statement, but this seems to be overshadowing Microsoft's attempted ARM with the Surface Pro X or Pro 10. I don't know what that is called exactly, but you know what I'm talking about. Yep, that's uh, it's kind of their take on that concept, right? Exactly, um, but I think Apple seems to have done it really well here, and Rosetta 2 ideally could get better over time but the ideal solution is that the m1 com- com- uh, compatible apps will just become more readily available um you seem to think that this is going to be something that's going to become important down the line like six months to a year from now i think uh i think i'm kind of in the same boat i think we're kind of hopefully waiting for a uh like a mac redesign on the outside as well to sort of go hand in hand with the interior redesign yeah, it, that's coming. Like, there's no way that it it wouldn't wouldn't happen. Like, the M1 probably changes the whole thermal architecture, or or what they could do in terms of the thermal architecture of a device, right? So, like, mm-hmm. that's gonna happen. It's just a matter of when. Um, I think that Apple just pushed these out to encourage third party developers to start adapting their software to the M1, and this time next year we'll be getting like crazy new, truly generational at least in terms of the look of the devices uh macbooks nice yeah that's exciting um i'll move on as much as i'd love to continue talking about the future of macbooks um quebec is restricting the sale of gas-powered cars by 2035 and this is specifically new gas-powered cars so use the used car market will still continue it's not like quebec is just like getting all the gas-powered cars out of there in about 2035 but they've set a hard deadline on when they essentially want to start a hard and fast transition to electric vehicles. Um, I mean, BC did this last year. I think their deadline is 2040, though. So it seems like something that more provinces are doing, although BC and Quebec are a little more proactive when it comes to environmental things, especially relating to electric vehicles. They both have really high incentives on top of the federal incentive for buying them. Um, so this does make a little more sense for them. Uh, but I, I personally think it, it suggests 
uh, a trend that we'll see this in more provinces as we near that's, that like that's 20, very, 40, 20, 45 mark. That's what I was just going to ask you. Like Ontario hasn't announced anything, right? No. Um, no. We don't even have the incentive for EVs anymore. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Ontario is kind of just relying on like the federal level incentives and things, uh, which it gets a lot a lot of because it's sort of like this big province that Ontario is. I mean, there's no real way to sugarcoat it, I think. But um, it would be nice for Ontario to, to get the incentive back. I mean, I was talking to uh, the GM Canada president, Scott Bell, yesterday, I guess. And uh, he was saying like, yeah, the incentives like help with this. The ince- essentially, incent- incentives help with sales. Um, and then on top of that, like GM's not particularly worried about the the ban of electric uh, vehicles in Quebec because you know they're all kind of going the same way. He thinks like yeah. consumers define this more than uh, Quebec is defining this. Like consumers have already sort of stated the need for electric and are showing like a, a buying force that's moving towards electric. So he thinks like by 2035, like that, while there is a deadline in place, he thinks the consumer market would have already pushed can, companies like GM that way anyway, uh, was sort of his take on it. I never want to cool. buy a car again. Uh, I definitely don't want to buy a gas powered car. I mean, it kind of sucks, but like, it's like the MacBooks right now. Like it's in a tough spot. You don't want to buy an M1 MacBook. Yeah, exactly. Even though it might be better it's uh not fully optimized and that's same with electric cars like yeah they might be better and they might be better for the environment but they're not like fully optimized for the current world that we live in it's like this tight spot where ideally in like two years everything's going to be better but some people can't wait two years and that sucks having to make that call right now i mean if there's still covid you're not going anywhere anyways so maybe we'll i could go cars. sit in my electric car and charge it and then <laughs> drive you get a tesla again. you could like watch netflix out there Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> when, I, um, when I lived near Sherway Gardens, I used to see people would like roll up in their Teslas and actually do that. Just like park yeah. and charge their cars at the mall. Yeah, I mean, if you don't like, like that guy in the meeting, what was his name Victor was talking about? Was it mm-hmm. Victor? Uh, yeah, he it was, was Victor. saying like, yeah, there's someone in his condo building with a Tesla and he doesn't know, he's just never seen him plug it in there. So he just assumes he like has to go somewhere and charge it, which is like I a crazy a lifestyle to live. I'd like to talk to those people because everyone else that I talk to, which is mostly like companies, because that's most of like who I interact with on the electric car side of things, always are pushing now. Um, people just charge at home overnight. They just come home, they plug it in, and they get in the morning, their car's charged every day. It's a dream scenario. Um, for these like condo people, just don't have that option. And I live in like a small apartment and I don't have that option either. Like there's nowhere for me to plug in my car. If I yeah, I, I live in a, like a house and I don't even think I would have that option. Like I would so the, really, but you could run an extension cord, Dean. You must have outlets have on like, the outside of your house. We have one outlet. It's on the side of my house, not the back of it. So it would have yeah. to be a multiple extension cord, which yeah. just seems so I, uh, feasible. when I had a leaf for a very brief period of time, I think it was last summer. There was no like, plug in the condo building that i was living in but there was like an open plug just sitting there and i just ran like an extension cord to it and, <laughs> and charged the car for the week that i had it yeah. um and i thought i like got away with it no one was going to complain but then someone complained and wanted they wanted to like the building and the condo board wanted to charge me for the electricity i used and <laughs> i was like i'm pretty sure i didn't like increase your bill at all and i believe they went and like checked the usage and there was like no significant jump or anything so that they didn't charge me um but i thought it was kind of funny because there's like so limited understanding of how 
there's such a limited understanding of how like electric cars even work and charge and just the general population. Yeah. Um, we were talking about the infrastructure behind it not being like wouldn't necessarily or may not be ready if everyone just switched to electric today, uh, which is definitely one side of it, too. Um, but what you just said is another side of it, too. Like the people don't know and people don't like have that education around electric cars and how they work and what they sort of, you know, that kind of stuff. So it's like there's a lot that needs to be done, like the back end electric grid, the you know, there needs to be like government yeah. like ad campaigns like charge your car overnight like stuff like that uh as opposed to all this money going into i think like incentives and charging infrastructure as in like fast chargers because those things are already kind of there and not it doesn't seem to be in use but this like home grid is isn't ready anyway moving on because that was a lot of time on electric cars and i'm eager to talk about some games um the starlink beta is rolling out to canadians more and more i mean more people are reporting it we haven't really talked to anyone i don't think yet that has it but there are like on reddit i've seen some reports so you know it's reddit you trust what you trust but um people seem to be I liking applied. it and getting <laughs> did you that's sick I oh, yeah should. i applied i don't think i'm gonna get it because uh i think they do some background research on you um, dude should but... i apply i'm at my parents house there or like my grandparents house one of those two houses should be a prime candidate for so... this I applied for myself, but I also applied for my parents because they nice. live in rural Ontario and that would be perfect yeah. for them. So I was hoping that at least my parents would get in, but nothing yet. Hmm. That's a good idea. I should do that too. But yeah, people seem to be getting around 100 megabits per second, uh, which is really impressive because I'm currently at my parents' house in rural Ontario. I'm sitting about 25 megabits and at my grandparents' house, it's like five to seven. I wouldn't even go Thanks. five to 10. I wouldn't give it that That's much. That's my yeah. parents too. Yeah, it's tough. And then the last hottest news thing, just to sort of transition into gaming a little bit, uh, Pokemon Go is getting this huge update. Uh, there's like a 21 Days of Friendship event, which just seems like a random event. But on top of that, Kalos Pokemon are finally making it into the game. So it's getting really close to getting them all. Um, and they're adding seasons, which is just basically the in-game seasons mimic the real world seasons. And Pokemon of like, you know, in winter you'll see snow type Pokemon more often, I guess. And in summer you'll see fire, maybe. Uh, that's less clear. But There's like a seasonal uh, Pokemon in Gen 6. Maybe that's why they added that. There's like a Pokemon uh, that changes depending on season. It's Sawsbuck. It's like a deer. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, there is. Okay, they mentioned that as well. Yeah. I haven't finished completely writing the story, but I thought this was big for Pokemon Go fans. Um, but yeah, there's that deer is It's going to be involved in the seasons. My parents will be excited because they still play Pokemon Go. You, you oh. and my parents are the only people that would still play it that I know. I don't even play that much anymore. I'll, I'll, I will I will admit it to the podcast people, but don't tell anyone else podcast people. Um, <laughs> I still have it on my phone, but I haven't opened it in a while. Um, one thing I was going to say, too, oh, on top of that, your parents specifically should be excited that they're increasing the level cap from 40 to 50, which is a big deal. Oh, for My dad will suck. finally have something to do with his life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think that's it for the hottest news of the week. All right, let's get into the gaming stuff. Uh, so right off the top, I'll just note that this podcast could get a little chaotic because there four, there's four of us on it, and we don't usually do that, especially remotely. I've structured this kind of panel style, but obviously everyone can jump in whenever it makes sense to do so. And there's like some questions directed at uh, individual people on the podcast this week. So if you've been following our coverage or really any tech sites coverage for the last few weeks, you'll know that the Xbox Series X and S are out, as well as the PlayStation 5. On the mobile serve side of things, I handed I handled our Xbox Series X review. 
Brad covered uh, the Xbox Series S and our PlayStation 5 review. I also purchased the PlayStation 5 myself, just like a like a normal consumer. I pre-ordered it, waited eagerly at my door for it to come, um, and so did Dean. Bennett, on the other hand, didn't buy a next-gen console, and he has his, his own reasons for that, and we'll, we'll talk about that, that later. Um, so he has a unique perspective kind of on this whole new generation of gaming. But... The first thing that I wanted to to talk about uh, when I was like making the notes for this podcast, I kind of had this this image of like my parents. So like my my um my dad and my mom who have been around gaming uh for most of like as long as they've had children and like even before that my dad played like ColecoVision and television and stuff like that. I imagine them walking into like an EB Games right now. Let's pretend that you could actually walk into an EB Games and and buy a console, even though you can't do that. And also there's not any stock and being just like confused by whether or not they should get an Xbox series X or S. I still think that's like one of the shortcomings of Microsoft's two console strategy is that it really just doesn't make a lot of sense to the average person. I guess what I'm interested in, Brad, could you break down what the difference between those two consoles are because you've used them both right like you did the s review for us but you also uh you bought an x too didn't you yeah nice so could you just break down the difference between the two consoles sure yeah uh microsoft's uh adopted a very interesting and frankly novel strategy for this generation where they're coming out with two very different systems right off the bat uh which We've never really had that before. Like Sony put out two PS5 models, but they were essentially the exact same thing in terms of specs. Just one has a disk drive and one is all digital. But with the Series X and the Series S, uh, the X is much more powerful. It's the 4K uh, 4K system. It can support uh, discs, whereas the Series S, uh, the two fundamental differences are it's an all digital system. So you have to download your games. Um, or uh, and uh, that it only supports uh, up to 1440p. So um, essentially, uh, what Microsoft's done really cleverly is a lot of the technology inside the systems is quite similar. They're, they're, they call it like their velocity architecture, uh, and that's shared between both systems. So basically, that allows developers to make the same games for uh, for the both systems and in theory, you know, they kind of easily scale between the two. I mean, obviously, they still have to put some work into making sure both versions run. But from what we've heard from a lot of developers is it's a lot more smooth than it has been in previous years. Uh, you know, there's been this this notion that uh, developing for inferior hardware kind of holds back developing for the, the next gen hardware or the more expensive hardware. But with the Series S and Series X, we're really hearing that for the most part, it is quite smooth. Like if you look at a screenshot of Assassin's Creed uh, Valhalla, which just came out, developed by Ubisoft Montreal. Uh, you can see it. It looks still looks pretty, uh, pretty nice uh, on the Series S. Um, and you still get some visual enhancements like HDR with the Series S. It's just that it doesn't output at true 4K resolution like the Series X does. So uh, that's really like the two main differences between the systems. Uh, but they offer a lot of the same features, which is pretty cool. The difference between 1440p and 4K is far more minimal than like I thought it was too. Because when I was doing my initial like early impression stories on the Xbox Series X, one of the games I always talked about was Apex Legends because it looks crazy good on the console. And I don't have like Digital Foundry style like hardware to 
figure out what resolution a, con- a game is running at. And at that time, EA or Respawn hadn't said anything. So I thought that the game was running at 4K. And then it turned out later that it was running at 1440p. So I, I just bring that up as an example of like, it almost looks the same. Like once you hit mm-hmm. that certain resolution, there's really not that big of a difference, if that makes sense. And Tech audience, I-, I think a good way to look at it is like Apple's retina displays, you know, like Apple displays have That's been considered true. like on their MacBooks and even their phones for a while, but not so much. Yeah, I guess even their phones, they use like this term retina display, which is like higher the pixel the pixel count is higher than you can uh discern so you can't discern pixels with your eyes and that's essentially kind of what 1440p is on tv screens even up to 65 inches in my experience um you know like a a 65 inch with a 1440p like gaming display is an incredibly sharp experience yeah i was just gonna say and i'd be remiss not to mention that uh the big similarity between the two is they both have an SSD. So you do get the same rapid load times uh, on both consoles and they both support quick resume, which is uh, one of like the few true next gen features on the Xbox consoles where you can basically have several games running in the background at a time. And then you can swap between them and using the power of the SSD, it'll load almost instantly. So within a few seconds, you'll get right back up to where you were. If you were in the middle of a level, in i don't know dark souls for example you you spawn right back up in that because it'll remember exactly where you were even if you unplug the consoles so uh and because of uh that technology both consoles do support up to 120 frames per second most games aren't supporting 120 frames right now but a lot of them still target 60 frames which arguably uh i mean you know your mileage might vary but for me personally the, the higher frame rate is more important than resolution because you, it actually in, enhances how it feels to play, whereas resolution just enhances the look of the game. But, you know, it, it, it feels a lot smoother, especially in game like fighting games or uh, shooters, you know, that 60 frames per second. And to be able to have that on the Series S uh, with the faster load times is is a great value, I think. The other thing that I'd say is like, the jump from 30 to 60 frames per second, I found incredibly noticeable, like far more Mm -hmm. noticeable than I expected. Whereas the move from um, 60 to 120, like I can kind of see it, but then it's not quite as significant. I often I've been describing it as like the move from 1440p to 4k. Like you can see it if you look for it, but it's not quite as apparent if that makes sense. Mm Mm-hmm. And it, it's um, harder to get a 120 TV. Like if you you can find gaming yeah. monitors with 120 pretty easily, but uh, a TV with with 120 hertz uh, is going to cost you quite a pretty penny right now. So it's interesting you mentioned that. Um, you can't even get as far as I know, and I'm like a listener. If there's a listener out there, please send it to me. Um, I don't. I, I game on a monitor right in front of my desk, like the same place that I work. Uh, it's just like how I've always gamed, even with console gaming. And as far as I know, there is no HDMI 2.1 monitor available. All those 120 hertz monitors that you mentioned, Bennett, um, they're all DisplayPort, right? And the new consoles Uh use HDMI 2.1. So I know there's several manufacturers that are working on them, but I don't know of a single one that's that's available yet. So that's like another kind of issue. Yeah, I just fake news us. Yeah, you did. (laughs) I'm so sorry. Wow. Um, I wonder, like, if, could you get a high-end adapter to go from DisplayPort to HDMI? So I, I thought of that the, the other high frame rate. I thought about that the other day. I honestly don't know. I do have a 
uh, DisplayPort to HDMI adapter that I used with the HTC Vive many years ago, but I don't think that it would it would support the 120 hertz. Like I'm pretty sure it would just strip that out. I don't even think yeah, it supports it have 4K. To be, it would have to be a new. I would assume a new one to be on the modern DisplayPort yeah. HDMI like 2.0 standards, 2. whatever standards, I guess. Um, yeah, that's crazy. So the the next thing that I wanted to bring up. Um, Wait, before it's, we move I, on from the Xbox yeah. Series S, uh, <laughs> um, I feel like we have to mention that its hard drive is so small. And it sucks because I want one, but that small hard drive it makes me sad. Yeah, it's super tiny. I've, I've heard from a few people. Um, it's like I was 320 talking, gigs of usable space. Yeah, I was talking to my brother the other day, and that's the console that he would pick up because he doesn't want to buy an, a new 4K TV, right? And he feels that he kind of needs that if he's going to get a Series X, which I understand. Um, yeah. He was telling me that like the hard drive is the reason why he doesn't want to get an S and that he's just going to wait and upgrade everything and get a TV and a Series X in a, in a couple of years. So I think that is something that's holding a lot of people back. It, it should be noted, uh, while we don't know when this will happen, Microsoft's game streaming service, xCloud, or formerly known as xCloud, they don't really have a easy, proper, universal name that they refer to it by, but... Uh, and that's included in Game Pass Ultimate. And, you know, currently that only supports streaming to Android. Uh, but Phil Spencer, the head of Xbox, has said one of like the, the main priorities for them going forward is to bring that streaming to consoles. So eventually, obviously, that will help alleviate storage issues if you're able to just stream these games, especially since the Series S is an all digital console anyways. But obviously, that doesn't help you now. But it is something to keep in mind for the future. That's true. It would be yeah, a good streamer sure. and... 1440p will use a lot less bandwidth than 4K as well. I'm hoping that uh, they come up with a one terabyte option at some point down the down the road as well. I could see it happening eventually, especially once they have more like revisions and stuff of the hardware. Yeah, and if games keep increasing in size, I think they'll have to boost the uh, the hard drive size of both consoles. Maybe I don't know. They have the expansion cards. Maybe we'll just get bigger expansion cards, but we'll see. So the, the next thing that I wanted to kind of get into is the difference between the Xbox. Like, we know the difference between the Series S and the X. We just talked about that. But the difference between the Series X, arguably Microsoft's true next-gen console, um, and the PlayStation 5. For me, personally, I, I didn't get the PlayStation 5 until, I guess it was Friday of last week. And the thing that really, really shocked me about it was the DualSense. I've, I've never been a fan of the DualShock controller which is somewhat of a lie. I did at one point write a story talking about how much I liked it more than the Xbox One controller several years ago, but that's been wiped from the internet, so no, no one will ever find it. But so I, I was just shocked at the the rumble. Like the, It reminds me of the Switch's HD rumble, but this haptic feedback is so subtle and it adds layers to games that I just I didn't expect. And it's it's almost impossible to articulate what it really feels like like you kind of have to try it to understand it and it's the same thing with the the adaptive triggers that like i i don't even know how to really explain it i was thinking about this last night when i was writing up the notes like it feels like there's just more pressure behind the trigger in certain circumstances um in some games and you and you just can't pull it back and it adds this like other tactile layer to to playing a game on the console that i didn't expect like astro's playground shockingly despite being just like a pack-in game feels really really next gen to me at least because of that um i know brad you've had the ps5 for quite some time you did the review for us you did a bunch of preview stories um and dean i'll get your thoughts about this later but brad what what were your thoughts about um 
the the dual sense, the adaptive triggers, and the haptic feedback. Was that like a big deal for you, or was or was it sort of just like a, a nice add in to uh, what Sony was already offering with the console? Uh, I think it is uh, a pretty big deal. Uh, like you said, it is one of those things where it's kind of hard to articulate. You really kind of have to try it to believe it. Uh, because on paper, it does sound quite gimmicky, right? It's just like vibrations and trigger movements uh, on a controller. Like uh, on paper, that, that doesn't sound particularly special. And, you know, we've seen in previous PlayStation generations, like the PS4 had, uh, you know, it had the touchpad and the built-in speaker, but those were kind of gimmicky. The PS3 had the six axis where you motion control and it was like very clumsily implemented in games. Like you had to use that to throw grenades in Uncharted. It was very awkward. So the dual sense features on paper really had the potential to kind of go that route. But uh, when you use them, it just, it, it really does enhance the experience. And uh, what I've been so impressed by is the diversity in how developers are using these features. Um, you know, obviously you mentioned Astro's Playroom, which is the design specifically for the dual sense. So of course it's going to have the, the, the most uh, feature set for it, but... Uh, it's Playroom, right? Not Playground? I said it wrong? It's Playroom, yes. Great. Um, I'm looking forward to, to people getting mad at me because I called it Playground. Uh, but yeah, like in that game, you know, you, you wear a suit uh, that turns you into a spring and the, the trigger resists you to, to kind of, uh, you know, emulate the feeling of, a, of the coil wrapping up and then a little you feel a little boing when it goes out. You know, when you're running through the rain, crazy. you hear like the little pitter-patter uh, on your umbrella little things like that it just enhances the the atmosphere but again speaking to that point of how well it's been implemented like in Miles Morales when you Spider-Man Miles Morales when you use a venom punch which is like his electricity power um you feel like the charge in the trigger and then when you hit someone it it you feel that really like kind of explosive punch to it so it really feels punchy when you do like a backstab in Demon Souls you feel like the vibration uh to for that weapon and it just it makes the combat feel more visceral um in uh cold war which i thought was particularly interesting each gun has its own specific trigger functionality so like using an uzi uh where you know it's just so many bullets coming out at once feels different from using like a magnum which feels different from using like a semi-automatic uh where it's just like burst fire right so uh Things like that, it really does enhance the the overall experience. Uh, of course, it's not like an absolute game changer. Like if you played, because a lot of these games are on current gen. If you played it there, you're still going to get the same experience. But I do think it does add quite a bit to it, all things considered. Yeah, I have a I have a code for. Well, I I got a code for Cold War, and I requested an Xbox uh, Series X code, and I'm I'm kind of disappointed in myself now because I wish I got it for PS5 so I could try out the the um, adaptive triggers with it so that's yeah. disappointing i wish i knew ahead of time but it, it didn't even occur to me that it would be something that i would uh that i would be into i think um, it added but, a lot but, sorry i just just to add uh yeah, i'm not even i'm not even a racing game fan but like i was playing dirt five with it and you know every time you drift or you bump into someone or even just the when you're that's going cool. over like dirt patches and you know the terrain is uneven because it's like a, a an off-road racer you know you feel the different vibrations depending on the terrain. So like it, it, it's super immersive uh, in that sense. Uh, and that's obviously just one example, but Gran Turismo will do similar things when that comes out next year on PS5. But yeah, it, it actually had me enjoying it more because I'm not a big racing fan at all. Uh, and to have that kind of, as you said, like tactile feel when you're playing it, it really did add to the experience. 
Dean, what about you? What did you think yeah. about the adaptive triggers? I'd like to add, like, like so, like, there's com- there's a completely different, like, you can say that you feel the like the vibration, you feel like you can feel the triggers and how they work, but it's it's a something to note that you it, like from different moves, different move sets to different abilities, they feel like completely different. Like in Demon Souls, for example, a stab uh, feels different than just using your magic, and it's really weird like to have all this sensation just in one controller but like it's it is completely two different i can i i it's two ah, sorry it's two different feelings completely um and for example i've been playing apex which which was released earlier this year was apex released this year or was it last year i think it's almost two years old now but but they did there is an update for it that like makes it take more advantage of the 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 current gen systems that were next gen a few weeks ago yeah, so even in Apex, uh, changing from a heavy gun to a light gun, you can feel the difference. Um, in Apex, you can actually feel the uh, there's like vibrations and like adaptive trigger um, features and all this stuff in like literally everything you do. Like even when you're using abilities, even if you're, when you're jumping, you can feel that there's like a there's a, like there's like a response whenever you jump or whenever you slide. It's it's pretty cool that they've applied it to. It's like a random game compared to like I expected it with Demon Souls and I ex- expected it with Astro's Playroom, but I wasn't expecting it with um, Apex. It doesn't take well, full advantage of it though with Apex, does it? Like it's it's it's, it's, it's not, more subtle, at least in my experience. It is more subtle until you go back. At least for me, it was more subtle until I went back and okay, just tried it on my PS4, and it was just like, oh, this is this is very different, or this felt like pretty different to me. Bennett, you were you were gonna say something? I'm just gonna say like yeah, the controller and like the dual sense I think is is the PlayStation 5's like biggest leg up. It's the most exciting thing to me, as someone who hasn't like made a choice about which console to buy, if any. Um, and like I'm kind of hoping like that dual sense support just comes to PC and I can buy a controller and have all the benefits of this haptics. But I'm totally on board with it. I think like the interaction features of like high-end haptics on a phone like when you use something like a new android phone like the oneplus 8t or the latest iphones uh the haptics are great and like the little vibrations you like push on the screen and you get a vibration that feels like you pushed on the screen in that spot and like then you use an old phone with like an old vibration motor which would be like the vibration motor yeah. in, like, the stadia or xbox controllers I know and what you mean. it's just like brutal it's such a small thing but you the thing you interact the most with when you're actually playing games is the controller, right? Like you're just looking at a screen, your hands are on a controller. So anything that can make that like interaction through your hands more visceral is, is super exciting. And like, I just, I'd love to try it. I played only a bit of Watch Dogs Legion. And uh, I remember there was like, uh, I just shot my gun once or a few times and it just felt like the trigger was fighting me. Like I was shooting an actual gun. I don't, I've never shot an actual gun before. So this is what I assume an actual gun would feel like. Um, but it that one I felt it, or like at least that um, was the most shocking. It was just like I was trying to press it. And I was like, "What's what's wrong with my controller? Like, is there something wrong?" And I realized I had to press down even harder. It just it was a different, it was a weird feeling, and I liked it a lot. It was re- a lot so more immersive. Cool. So these yeah. these next couple of questions, I'm sort of gonna open up to everyone. I'll I'll like direct them at each of you, um, just to keep it organized, but um, the first thing that I wanted to talk about is the launch lineups. For, for both consoles. Um, I know I have like, uh, we'll, we'll describe it nicely as unique taste in games. So for me, <laughs> like I thought the Xbox Series X's launch lineup was pretty weak. There there wasn't anything really 
truly next gen there. Like the only game built from the ground up to take advantage of the console was NBA, uh, the, the latest like 2K NBA game, which looks phenomenal. Um, I'm not really into sports games. I'm not really into basketball, but I, I did play around with it a bit just to check out the graphics. And it's one of the nicest looking games I've ever seen in my life. And there's like some cool things that Microsoft does in terms of backwards compatibility with like Forza Horizon 4 and Gears 5 and several other games. But there's nothing that's like a system selling title. And that's because Halo Halo Infinite's not there, at least from my perspective. And then on the PlayStation side of things, like for me, there's there's really truly nothing out yet that I want to play for the console. I really picked it up, first of all, for work purposes, but also because I'm like buying into the future of what Sony's selling. I know that I'm I'm totally in the minority with that one, and we're going to get into it because I know that a lot of people are excited for Spider-Man Miles Morales, especially ever, uh, most people on this podcast right now. So I, I guess we'll start off with with Brad. How did you feel about both consoles launch lineups? I think I know personally the answer to this question, but just for our, our listeners benefit, what did you think about about what uh, both consoles offer? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, I mean, there's, there's no beating around the bush. The Series X um has a very weak lineup you know that that's just the nature of it they put all their eggs in the halo basket and it got delayed till next year that game in general seems to have quite a trouble development which is unfortunate because that's like their flagship title uh but yeah you know outside of that they haven't really had anything uh as you said so i mean that is the way it is i mean if you're if you're buying a series x or a series s you're doing so to leverage the console's incredible backwards compatibility value uh, as well as the fact that each of those games get bumps, whether in resolution or frame rate or even just load times um, and Game Pass, of course, uh, which kind of factors into that. Um, with with PS5, I do think it is quite a solid launch lineup, especially when considering what we've had in the past, because uh, traditionally launch lineups are not that strong. Um, you know, the PS4 had Knack and Killzone, uh, <laughs> which were not... Uh, Knack was not good, and Killzone was forgettable. Um, I liked Killzone. I liked Knack. I'm the only person on Earth that liked it. I'm pretty sure neither of those franchises ever came back after that, did they? No, there's a Knack too. There was and a Knack Kill- too. Killzone okay, made Horizon. I never played it, but uh, yeah, sorry, Brad, continue. Yeah. But uh, so it's a bit nuanced with PlayStation because inarguably they do have quite a few games. Um, like as we said, Astro's Playroom that comes preloaded. Uh, which is a great value for people because it is more than just a tech demo. It is like a very charming Mario sort of platformer. Uh, I saw a lot of people actually likening it, uh, not necessarily in terms of being that w- as well designed, but that sense of like magic and exploration of like the early Mario platformers. And I, I would agree with that. Uh, there are so many like Easter eggs and uh, stuff in there for PlayStation fans. It's just, it's a completely joyous game to play. Um and obviously there's Miles Morales, uh, which includes Spider-Man Remastered if you get the Ultimate Edition or you can buy it separately. And those are both really good. Uh, and then there's Sackboy, A Big Adventure, which is a cool platformer. And there are smaller things like the Pathless, which is on Apple Arcade as well and PS4, um, which is a pretty cool little indie game. Uh, so there are a lot of games. The only problem is that a lot of them are on current gen, which kind of clashes with what Sony was saying earlier this year. The whole idea that, you know, we believe in generations and they were kind of throwing shade at Xbox for wanting to do the cross-gen approach for a while. So, uh, it you know, I do think there are a lot of games, but because they are cross-gen, it does, you know, make it a, a little harder to say, okay, you must buy 
a console, like a PS5. The only game that is purely on PS5 is Demon Souls, which is getting rave reviews. And it is a, a true system seller in the sense that it does leverage the hardware in really cool ways. But I will say, you know, even though a lot that the fact that a lot of the games are cross-gen, the leap forward in the PS5 versions compared to the current gen is a lot more pronounced than what we've seen in previous gen. Like what, you know, for last gen, uh, from PS3 to PS4, there were a lot of cross-gen games that launched like Assassin's Creed, Black Flag, Call of Duty Ghosts, and Battlefield 4. Those were like the sort of big three. And the, the differences between the PS3 and PS4 versions weren't that noticeable. I mean, you know, you get a little bit of a resolution bump, but with current with PS4, you get true 4K with a lot of the games, 60 frames per second support, like Demon Souls, even ignoring Demon Souls, because obviously that's only PS5. Miles Morales, you can get 4K 60 frames per second, uh, which really makes such a difference. You know, we were talking about the, the, the feel, the difference in feel between 30 and 60 frames per second, like playing Spider-Man, which is a really fast paced game. Like it feels so fluid in 60 frames and it's hard to think of ever going back to playing it in 30 frames. So of course on PS4, you can still get fundamentally the same experience, but the faster load times, the the dual sense features, the the 4K, the 60 frames per second, it makes the PS5 version significantly better. Uh, and I, I feel that way for a lot of the games that launch, same with like Sackboy and stuff like that. So again, it's not essential that you buy one, but if you do buy one, you can know that at least you're getting quite a bit of an improvement compared to previous gens, uh, at least in my opinion. Dean, what what about you? Which uh, console do you think had the the strongest launch lineup? I know you ended up getting a PlayStation Five, but like, what did you think about what Microsoft had to offer in comparison to uh, what Sony's doing with the PS Five? What they had. Hey, folks! I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. To offer. Microsoft. <laughs> That's uh, a hard one. Um, it's what Brad said. Microsoft had their had Game Pass and like previous like uh, stuff that was originally available on the Xbox One lineup, whereas Sony had Demon Souls. Uh, I'm a big Souls fan. Um, so for me, it was just obvious. I was gonna get I wanted to get the playstation 5 and i love demon souls so it just made sense um spider-man miles morales uh i know i could have just played that on my ps4 but it's also what brad said there's like see uh frames per second on a ps5 like i'm really excited for that game i haven't touched it yet um i'm currently making my way through demon souls but um i definitely think that sony had a stronger lineup yeah, I think I think that's a fair a fair perspective. Like, there's real exclusives on the PlayStation Five. They're not things that I personally want to play, but I I can kind of like see see that through other people's eyes and see why Demon Souls and Miles Morales are technically yeah. like system sellers. It's like so really... like I, I get it. For me, that like in the my personal taste in games that I want to play on the PlayStation Five right now, there's there's stuff in the future that I I want to play, but 
like right now there and, and we'll get to that but like right now there there just isn't Bennett, I, I know you don't own either console and we'll talk about that later as well but from where you stand just like on the outside looking in what system do you feel has the most to offer right now in terms of games that are available at launch um well part of the reason that i'm not like super excited about it is i'm not excited about any of the games at launch like i think miles miles morales and dark souls both look like super great graphics wise yeah you're right sorry demon souls uh and miles morales both look super great graphics wise and miles morales and the whole like spider-man game because i didn't have a playstation 4 definitely seems like something i want to play but neither of them are driving me to to buy a console Uh, you know like i'm not i'm not uh i'm not usually like i'm not usually an early adopter like i usually like to wait and weigh out my options and i think this is a situation where i'm kind of in that boat I still have like tons of games to play on my PC and my Xbox One and my Switch. Um, and so like I'm just kind of biding my time. So I guess like if I had to make a call, I would say like, yeah, Sony had a better launch lineup. But to me, like, and I'm sure to a lot of people, like it's just like, just wait, you know, like six months from now, it might be a whole different story, which one that I want, you know. Um, although it'll probably still be the PlayStation because if you have a PC, then you can just play all of the Xbox games there. So all the exclusives, anyways. Yeah, yeah. Well, everything. I mean, every, yeah, you can pretty much play everything that comes out on Xbox on PC at this point. Um, so it kind of just puts me in like the. I can only really be excited about the PlayStation one as what I can't have. Yeah, that I think sense. that's fair too. Anyone that I've talked to that hasn't picked one up yet, that's sort of what what they're their opinion is too like i have several friends who are really into the halo series they were all on board with getting a series x and they've kind of backed off that idea now because who knows when halo infinite's coming out um and they also can't even get their hands on the console either um they didn't pre-order it they're the type of people that don't really plan ahead so they're hoping to just get it get it on launch day and they haven't been able to to make that happen at all um Despite me sending them links when the when the consoles went live a couple of days ago, yeah, I was gonna uh, say yeah. like I've I've had ample opportunities to buy them through work. Like I write about deals all the time. I've seen the PlayStation Five and Xbox both in stock. Had the opportunity to pull the trigger and just haven't. Like I just I don't know. I, I'd rather everyone, spend more money on a graphics card right now and just upgrade my PC if I had to. You know. Can everyone let me know when the series S? I've already told Brad of Chankar, but uh, if anyway, everyone let me know when the series S comes on sale again. I need mean, my little brother. He's an Xbox fan, so I have to get one for him. Uh, nice. Okay. So that was the next thing I was going to ask. Was like, and I won't direct this at anyone specifically, but and it, it's kind of a difficult question to to move through because we don't know if there's going to be more stock for these consoles. Would you recommend someone in your family go out and buy an X or an S or a PlayStation five right now? Or would you just say, wait, like from the last question, it sounds more like most of us would suggest that people wait. Um, What do you guys think? Like, I think I would probably like my brother wants to get a series S, but he's worried about the storage. I think I would still tell him to get a Series S uh, now because he has he could get access to that huge library of of Game Pass games because he he hasn't been a Game Pass subscriber before. But yeah, I guess I'm just interested. Would you recommend that your family members go and get one of these consoles if they're into gaming? I don't speak to a lot of my family, so I can't really say from that perspective. Um, but it, like in friends, general, then. yeah. Um, 
I think the Series S is a great value for the average person, and I would recommend it to a lot of people because you know we're obviously privileged. We're in a in the this bubble of of, of tech products, and you know even if we weren't covering them for work, you know we we followed them avidly, or we like even Bennett, he didn't buy one, but at least he he's tuned into that sphere, right? But for the average person, you know who doesn't because a lot of people still don't have a 4K TV. A lot of people only play a few games a year, right? Uh, we have to consider that. Uh, the The Series S is perfect for those kind of people. Like, you know, I used to work at, at Best Buy, which I think gives me a, a nice, interesting perspective, which I appreciate. Uh, like, I worked there for five years between Future Shop and Best Buy. And consistently, obviously, this is anecdotal, but still, it speaks to a larger trend, I think, where, you know, consistently you see so many people typically parents but a lot of the young people too come in and they just buy the xbox one s minecraft bundle because it was like the cheapest system in some cases it was the it was actually uh, a good way of getting a, a 4k blu-ray player but for the most part these are people that really only play like call of duty fortnite minecraft fifa you know and they just want a system to do that and for 380 dollars canadian for the series s which again is cheaper than a switch uh, not the Switch Lite, but the standard Switch. And it has a lot of the next-gen enhancements, plus the backwards compatibility, plus Game Pass. And even just if you want it just to play those casual games that I mentioned, like the Series S is great uh, for that. And because, you know, like I said, a lot of people don't have a 4K TV, uh, you the Series S is perfect for that, right? Because you don't need a 4K TV for it. Uh, so I think, obviously, if you're a, a more hardcore gamer... Uh, I would lean towards the PS5 just because it does have a lot of features that do feel next gen, specifically if you have a, a 4K TV. Uh, I do think I did a feature on it. Uh, I actually got a Canadian exclusive interview with uh, Hideaki Nishino, who's like the head of like the pl global platforming and development at Sony. Uh, and he kind of broke me, uh, walked me through the, the user experience of the PS5. And I think that's one of the other areas where the PS5 really steps up this this generation where it does feel like a next gen ui where everything is streamlined and it's designed around I getting agree. you and it's getting you it's designed around getting you into games as quickly as possible that's where the ssd and their new activities feature comes in uh which again it kind of fundamentally changes how i play games because i don't want to ever go back to an, an older system now because you know for example take miles morales i can from the dashboard if there's a a specific if I'm doing working through the story, you know, there's a bunch of side quests too. If I boot up my PS5 and I decide, oh hey, I don't want to do the story right away. I just want to do this one side mission where Miles, like you know, helps save the neighborhood's cat. Right? I can select that activity in a, a lineup of like cards on the dashboard, hit square, and then in like six seconds, it loads me right in front of that mission in the game. Uh, and, and that is awesome, right? And that, that's a cool activities or something that every PS5 game is going to support. So, you know, just thinking of how that'll be applied. Because Miles Morales isn't a huge game necessarily. Uh, it is an open world game, but by open world standards, it's not massive, right? But to think of how that could be applied in Cyberpunk, right? Which is coming out next month, which is going to be a huge, huge game. Like the Witcher 3 level size, right? Um, that'll probably take like 100 plus hours to finish. You know, the idea of being able to have rapid loading and then even jump into wherever you want to go. Like, I think that's a huge value on top of having, you know, just enhanced load times for backwards compatibility games because the PS5 plays pretty much every PS4 game. Uh, I think all of those features and the dual sense, like we mentioned, make the PS5 worthwhile as a, even if there's not necessarily a must buy, 
game besides Demon Souls that is exclusive to the system. I think all of these these little enhancements here and there add up together to make it worthwhile. But of course, you know, like you said, stock is so in sh- such short supply that you realistically probably could wait, especially because it is a big hassle to try to get one. But I do think if you do make the jump, uh, if you are a more hardcore gamer, you could go with the PS5 and it would be worth your while. Does anyone have anything else to add for that one? Or should we move on to the next uh, the next panel question? I'm just going to say I'm in the same boat. I just... I want to recommend the S to people because it loves like the Xbox One S or Xbox Series S because it, I just love how much it, it looks. I just I want one purely because I think it looks awesome. Just super cool console. I want it on my TV stand. I'm not going to because I'm not that crazy, but that needed to be said. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, mean the PlayStation seems like the place to play. Go. Deep. I mean it's, the Series S is very cute and pretty comparison to the. Uh, Series X, and especially compared to the PlayStation Five, that I had. I hate a, the look of the PS Five. I had, just I had a. And then, and then I agree. Continue. I I had a friend over who's in my social bubble for people wondering about COVID, um, who asked me why do you have two papers on your PlayStation, and I'm like that's just, <laughs> that's, just, that's just the five looks like he looks like he's like he's like looking at it and he's just like it's not that's not like a binder in it. It's not like, I'm like, no, that's just what it looks like. He had never seen one before. Um, cause it's an ugly looking product. Um, yeah, no, and he's like, are you sure it should be like, sh- you sure should we sit down like that? Like I have it, um, horizontal. I mean, yeah, horizontal. I'm like, yeah, it's fine. Like it has a stand, but yeah, it's an ugly looking system. I would also recommend the series S to people who are not hardcore gamers. Um, I, my little brother, he mostly just plays NBA 2k, whatever, He's an NBA 2K fan, um, and so I'll be getting him that Series S because he won't, he sort of wants it for his graduation slash birthday present. Um, hardcore gamers have a lot to look forward to with the PlayStation 5, in my opinion, though. But I also had a PS4, so like I don't really mess too much with the Microsoft products. Like I have it, I have a Xbox One something digital edition i don't even know what they're called you have the digital edition i think i i wrote about it for the site and then i believe i gave you our review yeah yeah so then um i i barely ever use that ever because playstation is where where it's at for me yeah uh, i i guess the last thing before i I have a specific brad bennett related question at the end but before before we start to wrap stuff up i think if you're buying one of these systems now, the thing to note is that you're like really buying into the future of the console in a way. So like on the Microsoft side of things, you're you're buying into the potential and how great it is right now actually as well. Game Pass, it's 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 the most insane deal in gaming that has ever existed as far as I'm concerned. I always imagine like 15-year-old Patrick knowing that Game Pass would be something that would exist someday and it would absolutely blow my mind. You you pay this like relatively low month monthly fee and you have access to like every new major Xbox game. It's still blows my mind even just talking about it right now. Um, and then there's the Bethesda titles following the the Zenimax ac- acquisition. That's a huge thing. That's coming down the line. And then Microsoft has like this whole stable of first party developers. It keeps buying up studios, and we don't really know what they're working on. So. For me, on the Microsoft side of things, there's Halo Infinite, but then there's also all those like sort of unknowns that we don't know. Um, we don't know what's coming. On the PlayStation side, I've never really been like a quote unquote PlayStation gamer. I don't have this like nostalgic connection with a lot of PlayStation franchises, uh, exclusive franchises. But there are some games that I'm 
I'm pretty, I'm, I'm hyped about seeing in the future, like the new horizon. I really, really like the first horizon zero dawn. I still would love to go back and finish it someday, but I just fell out of it as soon as breath of the wild came out and just was never able to get back into it. Um, and then what's kind of like a curveball for me is like, I've, I really like what I've seen of ratchet and clank rift apart. I've never played a ratchet and clank game before in my life, um, ever, but what I've seen from this game, like just the physics engine and the graphics, it, it feels really next gen. And I'm excited to take that for a, a spin when it comes out. And then obviously like whatever Naughty Dog's working on, The Last of Us remains my favorite video game franchise of all time. I love The Last of Us too. I know that that's probably like five years away, but it's still something that that I'm hyped and excited about. Um, I guess we can just go down down the line with everyone. So first off, Brad, what what are you excited most excited about in terms of the future of of both the uh, new Xbox consoles and and the PlayStation Five? For sure, uh, it's a great question. Um, I mean, I, I I echo what you said with Xbox. Uh, we're really in a wait and see period with them right now. You know, even looking past Halo, which, like I said, it seems to have been on a bumpy road so far. I'm hoping it turns out well, but. You know, besides Halo, uh, you know, there are some games they've confirmed, like Everwild from Rare, and uh, I'm blanking on the name, but the 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 game that Obs- uh, Obsidian's making, which is kind of like Skyrim, I think. Uh, yes, I, I know of, what you're yeah, talking about, but I yeah, also can't I'm remember. I'm literally the blanking on the name, but they revealed it in July at their showcase. But yeah, we're really in a wait and see period. Like you said, they, they acquired um, Bethesda, so there's all those studios uh, the big question there is how they're going to handle exclusivity. You know, that remains to be seen uh, with those games. Uh, but yeah, just seeing what all those studios are working on. You know, the the one studio that is particularly interesting is The Initiative, which is in Santa Monica, you know, like just down the street from Naughty Dog. And they've actually picked up quite a few former Naughty Dog developers uh, at that studio because they're so close. And they're working on that quadruple A game, which is reportedly some kind of perfect dark reboot or set in the same universe or you know that's a former rare game but that is that will be very interesting to see because that is the first studio that microsoft's like in a long time because you know they've mostly been acquiring studios but that's the first studio in a while that they've kind of built from the ground up uh with their own internal talent and recruiting and all that so that's kind of what i want to see from xbox and obviously just seeing how game pass continues to grow it just got um ea play which added almost 100 games uh which which makes Game Pass have like a few hundred games now at this point, I believe. Uh, and then obviously that streams to Android, um, which is great. Uh, so just seeing how that evolves and their streaming efforts. Uh, and from PlayStation, you know, just um, there's a lot of games. Uh, you know, Final Fantasy VII Remake is my favorite game of this year. And this the second part, because it's an episodic series, will no doubt be on PS5. It'll be exclusive to PS5 for a while, too, because they have that deal going on. Final Fantasy XVI is also going to be exclusive to PS5 for a while, uh, I'm super excited for that. Um, Final Fantasy is my favorite series. Uh, but even in terms of the first party fold, uh, seeing what Insomniac does with the next Spider-Man game, uh, obviously I won't spoil Miles Morales, especially because Dean hasn't played it yet. But, you know, there are a lot of teases for what's to come. And just knowing that Miles is established now and seeing whatever they could do with both him and Peter in a, in a sequel is, is, is developed exclusively for PS5 is extremely exciting. And then finally, just God of War 2. You know, we, uh, God of War 2 as in the sequel to 2018's God of War, not God of War 2 on the PS2. Uh, it's God of War Ragnarok, I guess we could call it. It doesn't have an official title, but it's a, it focused on Ragnarok. Uh, it's a little unfortunate because it seems like that game's going to be on PS4 and PS5, which is the same case with Horizon Forbidden West, uh, Horizon 2. 
the head of Sony, uh, PlayStation, Jim Ryan, wouldn't confirm. Like he, he basically said no comment when people asked if it was if God of War Two was coming to PS Five uh, only or PS Four as well. So it's a little unfortunate that it's seeming like it's not going to be exclusive. But God of War twenty eighteen was one of my favorite games of the last like ten years. So just seeing what Sony Santa Monica does with that next, like, I'm super excited. Dean, what about you? What uh, what are you most looking forward to? So I, I had a couple of different Microsoft games. Um, I know that or there is confirmed that Fable Four is will be getting released, or a new Fable game is coming out. Who knows when? A new Fable's it, coming. I, I don't know if they called it Fable Four. They, they didn't call it that. I it, and yeah. I don't. I'm pretty sure. And it, um, and all it's it was it's a new beginning or something like that. But I'm really excited for a new Fable game. I love the Fable series. Like the second game to Senua's Sacrifice. Senua or Hellblade Senua's like whatever the next Hellblade game is um that will also probably be Microsoft exclusive I think now Brad correct me if I'm wrong Um, Uh, Senua's Saga Hellblade 2 is the official title okay yeah (laughs) I look it up um Um, yeah presumably it would be exclusive yeah so I think I'd have to pull up and get a series s for that those two games maybe an x I don't know we'll see when those games come out even PlayStation 5-wise, I'm also very excited for God of War. Uh, despite me never playing any of the previous God of War games or have tried to play them and not lose an interest pretty easily, um, pretty quickly, I loved the 2018 God of War. And um, I even have like a, like a five-piece poster or five-piece wall art of it. Um, and I'm super excited for that. Uh, also... Spider-Man as well. I haven't played Miles Morales, but uh, 2018 was a good year for games. Uh, so those successors will be really exciting. And uh, I know this game only comes out next month, but Cyberpunk 2077 should be a good point. I forgot really good. Hopefully it comes out next month. Who knows? It may it may, <laughs> it may get delayed again until next year. It was really, originally supposed to come out April something, um, and now it's... I just got delayed again to December 10th, so hopefully it does come out. And uh, as a Souls fan, I have to say this game. I don't even believe in it anymore. It's like a it's like a myth <laughs> in my theory. But Elden uh, Ring should eventually come out. I I I don't know if it if they've like scrapped. They they say they like they they tweeted from it once I think in the last couple months just to make sure people knew that they were still alive. I think, but um. I don't know, it's like a myth at this point, but I'd be pretty excited for that game. It won't be exclusive to either console, either, or maybe it will. I don't know, I don't think so. Um, but yeah, those are some of the games I'm really excited for. What I just want to add quickly mm-hmm. is, you know, you said you might have to get an Xbox for Hellblade, but what is really cool about Xbox's overall strategy is th- they're not tied to a specific platform. So, you know, whether you buy a console, the Series S, the more expensive console, the X, the PC or even you just have a phone, they don't care whether you buy one of those necessarily. They just want you in the ecosystem. So to to that point, you know, you don't even necessarily need to buy an Xbox. You could just stream uh, Hellblade to your phone. I mean, it's not the best option, right? Or, or your tablet or, you know, they're going to add more device support over time and Hellblade's a while away, right? So to that point, you know, you, you could even necessarily just access it on a different platform entirely, which is one of the cool things about their their sort of, platform agnostic approach that is a great point i didn't even thought of it and uh bennett is there anything i know you haven't picked up a console yet we're going to talk about that next but 
Is there anything that you're like excited for looking into the future or is there something like a game on the horizon that if it came out, you would be like, God damn, I need to go buy one of these new consoles right now. Um, I don't know. Like maybe like a, like a, like a, a last of us multi-pack, like one and two remastered. Although two didn't get much remastered. One of those deals. Um, like I'd be excited for that. I'd be like, oh, like those are games I've been wanting to play because okay. I haven't played two yet. Uh, I didn't have PS4. Um, maybe something like that. I mean, nothing that's like system selling me. Like I said, I'm, I'm like I'm excited about Xbox games and I have a PC, so I'll just play them on that. But like Halo for sure. Halo is like the big gun. Waiting for Halo. Yep. Um, in the exclusive worlds, I'm like sure. Um, like God of War will be excited, but I'm not expecting that anytime soon. Like I'm just expecting that in the next like two to three years. Like in the next year and a half two years i don't know what to expect like halo uh, yeah a sorry just probably... to just interject god of war is confirmed for 2021 yeah is it really oh really I yes didn't know yeah, that. Oh, yeah. okay i mean whether it gets delayed or not no uh but i mean okay. whether i mean they only just revealed it in september so yeah, yeah. okay okay i would I assume you know given how games get delayed frequently and covid it's quite possible it could be delayed but obviously all we know for now is it is confirmed for 2021 so Fair just enough. wanted so, to, yeah, the to, to. No, that's, yeah, that's a good correction. Um, the God of War, that's exciting then. God of War, like those newer God of War games look really exciting. Um, Deathloop, I'm kind of excited about, although that oh, seems yeah. like it will not be exclusive to either console. Uh, we'll see what happens there. Um, you know, Stadia uh, exclusive Guilt. Maybe I'll play that <laughs> <Yeah>. someday. <laughs> um, you know, that Mario. 3D Land remake, Bowser's Fury add-on. Excited about that on the Nintendo exclusive side. Um, nice. I forgot about thanks, Nintendo. That's yeah, that's all I got. That's all I got for exclusive. I don't know. There's not a whole lot of games that are exciting no, me. Think... Like the they're in the third-party space that I'm most excited about right now. I think you know, like smaller indies that are cheap and you play for a few hours are games that I'm kind of into right now. And then Cyberpunk is on the horizon. So well, that I don't know. What that was the next say. thing I was. I was going to ask you was like, so you're a little unique from uh, Brad, uh, Dean and I in the sense that like you have a gaming PC, right? Like you do most of your gaming on your PC. You've dabbled with Stadia. Is that part of why you're not like super into the idea of like picking up these consoles early because you can sort of get everything you need from that, that gaming PC? Yeah. Like if I was on a first gen Xbox one, like Douglas, you know, Douglas, Yep. Uh, everyone here knows Douglas. He used to work near us. Some, he worked at Beta Kit. Some long-time listeners will probably remember him as talking about uh, the Raptors on the Surfcast incessantly, always. Perfect. That's what we'll just... Douglas, Raptors fan, uh, has a, like a first-gen Xbox One, like the VCR-looking ones. And if I had one of those and I didn't have a gaming PC, I'd be all aboard the update train. But even without the gaming PC, I had an Xbox One X, which still is not that bad to play these like cross-generational games i don't know like it would be nice to get ray tracing for sure on like watchdogs but i probably could have played it on my xbox one s or xbox one x right um so like you know the jump isn't huge like yeah uh, 120 frames is nice and yeah like the actual ssd load times uh the fact that those are gone is is probably the most exciting thing plus the dual sense controller having all those extra features to me um but ideally, those are things that will come to PC. Like PC generally will support, uh, you know, other controllers. So if it gets the support for the DualSense's added features, like the enhanced rumble and the adaptive tr- or pressure triggers, I don't know the correct term. Adaptive but triggers. 
the okay it is adaptive adaptive triggers um you know that'll be exciting but we'll see but yeah like you know for me like i'm just kind of nerdy so i like upgrading my pc um so it's like i could just wait a year upgrade my pc to like a graphics card that can support ray tracing and then uh also i could get like the s i could get basically amd just announced this technology that allows it's like new graphics cards to go with its new cpus so you get like faster ram management to yeah, allow cool. this like instant loading stuff that's on consoles like essentially all the like advantages that consoles have currently are squashed if you have like a brand new top of the line gaming pc which basically means like pcs will get to that zone in the next two years at like a more attractive price point uh which is like usually where i i ramble about in the in the budget bins but uh yeah i just kind of like that more and and there's no games that are like i need this console right now you know i think that's fair i have a lot of friends who are in that that same boat where they've in the last couple of years moved to PC gaming and like they're looking at what both consoles have to offer and some of the stuff um, they're already doing on their PCs. Right. So there's not a hell of a lot that they're interested in. So like, I, I get, I get that perspective for sure. Yeah. And like we were saying at the top of the show, like 1440 P isn't that much worse than 4k. So like I have a 4k TV and I have a 4k monitor, but my PC really only does like 1440 P gaming on like high to like sometimes very high settings, but it doesn't, it's not like super crazy, but like we're at this point where that's still like super good. Like I'm playing red dead better than it looked on my Xbox one X and I'm minus it not being like true 4k. Even if it was, I don't even know if it was, but it's like a higher frame rate here and it still like plays super great and looks decent. So I'm, I don't have much to complain about. And I'm more of a casual gamer where I probably will game like two nights a week as opposed to like four or five nights a week, you know? So yeah, I love I'm, that you're, I'm satisfied. You're like a new breed of person. You're a high-end PC gaming casual gamer. <laughs> well, I also use my PC for work, right? So there's like I know, the I know. level of value that I get out of it there. Um, and I have like a small tower that's like a little bit bigger than a PS5. So it's pretty portable. And like I have it set up. So there's like a HDMI cord and a power cord just like empty sitting behind my TV stand. So I can just pull them out, plug in the t- uh, PC and my TV, plug in a controller or Bluetooth the controller. And I'm basically just playing on console. So yeah, that's like, you know, it's not that bad. I've just like turned my PC into as much of a console as I can. And that's sort of the route I'm trying to take. Nice. So yeah, I think that's a good place to to wrap things up. We've given a decent overview of both consoles and, and what we think about them. Um, let's get into uh, what we're playing this week. So I, I can I can kick things off. Um, I'm going to be writing about Assassin's Creed Valhalla for the site. I haven't got around to that yet. I'm only like 10 hours, maybe a little less, actually like eight hours into the game. Uh, I really like it. I think it looks crazy good on the Xbox Series X. I think it is a good indication of what we can expect from next gen games on across both systems, really. I know on the Series X, it runs at uh, 4K, like true 4K, not checkerboard or anything. Um, with 60 fps uh but then with all that said there's like a little bit of jank to it as well like the the stuff that you would expect from ubisoft or at least i expect from ubisoft where like the voices of characters are often out of sync with with their mouths which like pulls me out of the experience there's a lot of glitches i was playing it the other day in my like viking longboat and uh, a whale just floated through the sky um <laughs> so, yeah there's <laughs> it was amazing. It was amazing. It just floated over the sunset. So, I mean, wow. it's it's a good game. I <laughs> like the setting. I've always been into like Viking lore and stuff like that. I really like uh, Vikings on the History Channel. So, there's a lot for me to like in the game. But 
Um, I think I was talking to Brad Shankar about this the other day. I always wish that Ubisoft would just like take another year with their games, polish them, make them nicer, fix some of these like issues with the voices never being in sync with any game with the lips of the character. <laughs> like I, I just like it makes their games stand out like a sore thumb across the industry to me. Um, and all and just so the experience. They come out so fast, man. Like, I'm not even done Odyssey yeah. yet. I know that's my fault. It has been up for a while. But, like, when Odyssey came out, I wasn't done Origins yet. And, like, it's just, like, I can't keep up with all these keep up with all these Assassin's Creed games that are all great and have been for the past, like, three releases. But uh, it's just hard to keep on top of. And like, like, I get it. It's it's a business. They, they have to satisfy their shareholders. It's publicly traded. These games got to come out every year. But uh, looking aside from that, like, I just wish they would take more time with some of these titles because I think they could... They could be, there's so much potential in Assassin's Creed Valhalla. It could be like an amazing game. But from my experience so far, it's like just a, a pretty good, a pretty good game. Um, uh, Bennett, what, what have you been playing? I'm like, I actually haven't played quite a bit, but mostly on Switch. I'm playing Hades, uh, which I think Brad and Dina played. I don't know if you played it yet. Uh, and have I talked about it on the podcast yet? Do you I don't think so. Okay, cool. Hades is sick. It's like this game. You can get it on PC and the Switch and I'm assuming the other consoles as well. And it was in development for like open beta for like two years or something. Um, it's by Supergiant. So they did Bastion and Transistor. And it's kind of the same combat style, like isometric. Uh, you're fighting your way. But this time you're in hell. Uh, you're the son of Hades. And you're trying to escape. And it's a roguelike game. So every time you die, you you start back at the base level of hell and Hades like makes fun of you and all the characters talk to you and you have like conversations, but because uh, it's a roguelike and structured in hell, the sort of roguelike mechanics are in and a big part of the diegesis of the story. So like when you die, you like come out of this pool of blood and hypnosis. They're like, Oh, I got you again. Like, looks like, Oh, it was Meg this time who killed you. And like, he knows that Meg killed you and Meg is the one that killed you. And then you go and see Meg and she's like, Oh, you're back again. Like, you think you'll try and beat me this time? Like I keep beating you, blah, blah, blah. And, like, everything you do impacts the dialogue tree in the game. So it's just, like, really cool. And, like, you can just tell they went, like, so far in depth with it. Like, I've been playing for days and days and days, um, and I still haven't seen, like, the same dialogue. And I, I because it's a roguelike, you encounter the same characters all the time. So it's, like, really if I didn't, that way. If I didn't have the next-gen consoles, I would totally be playing it. Um, oh, my brother so talks to me about it all the time dude just get it on your switch i think it might be on sale for like five dollars off right now making it like 20 bucks or something and like it's just like the best Uh, game to play in bed before like you go to sleep because like all my best runs have been like half asleep in bed and it'll be like just one more okay brad i'll do one more blah 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 (laughs) and then and then i do it and it becomes like the best run like you start up and then you end up getting like this upgrade for your weapon it's like oh shit like that's pretty good like i might be able to go all the way with this and then like you do it and you're like half asleep like trying to keep yourself awake to just like play this game because it's so fun and like so um yeah it's just fun like the uh the combat is really fun and uh the gameplay hook of just like one more run one more run because it does change so much every time with all the upgrades you get throughout because every few rooms you get a a couple of upgrades and and they can really drastically change your gameplay i always pick up a game every like when we have time off over the holidays i always get like a specific portable game that i play like while i'm at my parents house and and other family members when there's when there's downtime and i think uh i think katie's definitely going to be the one uh, for this year that's honestly um, perfect. That's what I'm doing right now. Like I'm at my parents' house, and I like we'll be here for another few yeah. weeks. Sort of like and yeah, like just having the switch and like Hades, and I'm like looking at other games to kind of scratch that similar itch because I'm like 
getting close, I think, to overcoming the Hades hurdle. But uh, yeah, it's it's super good. Like it's just a perfect game for Switch. Dean, what about you? What have you been playing? Um, I've been playing a lot of Demon Souls. Uh, it's the first Souls game ever. Um, before Dark Souls and Bloodborne and any of them. It's really fun. I didn't play the first one, so this is all completely new to me. There's quite a bit of differences from Dark Souls that I had to get you to, but it's really fun, and I dine a lot. Um, in this game, it's really it's interesting. When you die, the more you die, the harder the world gets. Which is like, why would they? Why would they do that to you? Like you're already dying like the a lot. Of Hades. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, like the, the um, you have these things called world tendencies, and w- when you die um, a lot, it becomes like your world becomes like a black tendency, which seems fine until you realize that there's these random extra NPC enemies in the game that have more health and hit harder. And you're like, why would you add that? I was really, I was ready like failing a lot here. So when I'm frustrated, I was I started to go over to Watch Dogs um, Legion. Um, all that all my PS5, that game completely just is not working at all. I did the tutorial, and after that, it just keeps crashing. So I think I have to delete delete it and like re-download it um, and see that. Hopefully, that will work. But uh, you know, so, where it's playing like a dream. Stadia. Uh, PC. <laughs> Stadia. No, yeah. Stadia. Yeah, I'm legitimately playing it on Stadia, and I actually have had no issues. Like, people keep talking, I keep so seeing funny. issues, and people talk to me, like, hey, like, you having issues with Watch Dogs? I'm like, I'm, man, I just got the Stadia code, and I bought the controller, and I'm, like, legitimately loving it. Oh, well, if you I guys just... have YouTube Music Premium yes. and you haven't taken advantage of the free Stadia deal, get it, because the controller makes all the difference. I just was just going to say that. I, I just got my I just got the deal, and I should be getting the Stadia controller in a bit. So let's see if it, see what happens. Maybe I'll be a Stadia convert and leave my PS5 to the side. No, I don't think it's going to convert, but <laughs> I know. It's, uh, I know. it's a good option. I don't even like it on my phone, but having the ability to just, like, like it, this is you're gonna find out that i love to play games when i'm in bed but like bringing a laptop to bed and like <laughs> or like being in the tub and like having a laptop on the side of the stadia controller i've done that before like, i've yeah, never the, done that guys <laughs> yeah well once you get your stadia controller pick up a game and like it's just nice to have this like semi-portable like high-end console game like watchdogs and you're just like playing watchdogs in the tub this is sick like written, it's nice. written my best content from from the bathtub <laughs> All right, uh, so the last person, uh, but definitely not least, uh, Brad, what have you been playing lately? Uh, first, I just got to say that Stadia pr- promotion that you're mentioning ends on the 20th. So depending on when this podcast goes up, it might not be available anymore. So I just wanted to put that out there for the sake of clarity for people. Uh. Um, however, there might be, we do have some Stadia anniversary coverage plans. Uh, November 19th is the first year anniversary. I don't know what I'm allowed to say, so I'll just be vague on that. So, but stay tuned. There might be some other offers that Stadia is doing, um, which Exciting. will likely be live by the time you hear this. But in any case, uh, stay tuned. Uh, as for my my game, uh, I've been playing The Pathless, which is from uh, Giant Squid, which made uh, Abzu, which was kind of like a journey-like game. It's published by Annapurna, which they put out a lot of really cool indie games. Uh, and it, it's a really I nice... Abzu on like, Switch like atmospheric uh sort of it's like an open world game but it's very like minimalist in the sense that the world is like very barren and empty and and, and kind of haunted and you're going through it you have like a bow and an eagle to help you out um and, and it's focused a lot of momentum like uh 
you shoot these like targets as you're running to like build up a stamina meter and continue running and gain verticality. And you're just sort of like restoring peace to this land. So there's a lot of environmental storytelling where you read like um, transcripts and stuff from, from people. It's just a very like relaxing game. And it's, it's short. It could be beaten like five or six hours. I think I'm about halfway through it, uh, which is a really nice thing because I, you know, you're talking about Valhalla. The biggest reason why I haven't gotten into that yet is knowing that it's like 60 hours oh, to beat is just so off- big. It's just off-putting to me. Like, uh, I like a small game like this. You know, people are losing their minds about Miles Morales's length, but like 20 hours to do everything, I think is a perfect, perfect. length. Oh, yeah. I'm so excited. Especially, yeah, like, especially yeah. if the content is quality. But anyways, yeah. uh, and just finally with Pathless, the... The composer is Austin Wintery, who won a Grammy for doing the the soundtrack for Journey, which was amazing music. So um, there's just a really great score to just kind of accompany this atmospheric, like easy to pick up and play experience. So I really enjoyed it. I might actually write something about it. Uh, I've been quite enjoying it so far. I saw a lot of coverage on PlayStation and Apple Arcade. So it's PS5, PS4 and Apple Arcade. Yeah. So I would assume it's not coming to... I don't know if it's a timed exclusive on PlayStation, but obviously because of the nature of Apple Arcade, that means it won't come to Android. But uh, it looks really good, uh, and and it's very fluid on on PS5. I, I can't speak to. I haven't tried the iPhone version. I, I watched some gameplay. the The visuals are obviously pared down quite a bit, but the gameplay is exactly the same. So it is pretty cool. So yeah. that's a game I can recommend for PS4, PS5, and Apple Arcade if you have that. Yeah, I just bought Absu on Switch. I was like, oh, that sounds cool, but um, I guess not, unless I want to dig around. And actually, my sister's Apple TV is here. I could like play it on Apple TV and see if that works. <laughs> nice. So I, I think that's a good place to to wrap things up. Thanks for listening to the Syrupcast. Be sure to drop us a review on iTunes. It really helps with the rankings of the show. You can find me on Twitter at, at Patrick underscore O'Rourke and, of course, on mobilesurf.com. I've been writing a ton of features lately. There's the MacBook M1 stuff. There's all the console gaming things. There's, there's a lot of stuff out there that I've been working on. Bennett, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me just about everywhere at the Brad Fad. That's Instagram, Twitter, uh, uh, Xbox online, you know, wherever you want to find me. Uh, I'm at the Brad Fad, or you can read all my work on mobilesyrup.com. And uh, Dean, where can everybody find you? Um, you can find me at the Daily Dean on Twitter and Instagram, or on Mobile Syrup, where I've just now have passed four thousand articles written. And Brad, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on social media, uh, Brad Shankar on Twitter, B R A D S H A N K A R, and on Instagram. Uh, I will just do a quick plug since I am shouting at those as well. I'm actually doing an extra live stream on Saturday this weekend, Saturday, November 21st, with uh, two, uh, three friends. Uh, we did one last year, so I'll be promoting it on those social channels as well. But we'll be streaming some next-gen games if you want to see some some in action, raise some money for sick kids. So uh, please tune in and nice. spread the word awesome. if you can. Um, it'd be pretty cool. But it is also a nice... It is actually relevant to this podcast because it, we are going to be playing games, specifically some next-gen games as well. So if you do want to see some streams for that uh, and help raise money for charity. We will be doing that. So you can see more, you can see more information on that on my Twitter and Instagram. And uh, obviously outside of that, I am always on mobilesurf.com. And as always, you can find all of our content on mobilesurf.com and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at, at mobilesurf. Thanks for listening.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.